You're listening to the Jubilee Montreal podcast. Jubilee Montreal is a Christian church located in downtown Montreal that exists to share the good news as a spiritual family for holistic transformation. For more information on Jubilee Montreal, visit us online at www.jblmontreal.org. Yeah, welcome to uh, Jubilee. And uh, I don't know if you're, some of you are new here. Uh, welcome. Uh, I'm actually new here, so this is a, a newcomer welcome for all of you. And for those of you who are, have been here for a little while, uh, it's so good to be here. Uh, I came from Toronto, and uh, like <clears throat> Elena has mentioned, I really love this community. Um, and I really uh, admire and respect the leaders with uh, Michael and Angelica Touchton and uh, Elena. <clears throat> and I want to just <clears throat> say hats off to them. Uh, you know, someone from the outside in at least outside the city, uh, coming to honor your leaders and the amount of work that they do, um, sometimes we don't realize, right? It's like a prophet without honor in his or her, her own hometown. And I've just heard uh, of all the changes and all the, the different locations and the different people and the leadership and the infrastructure and, you know, you name it, there's a lot of change. And let's face it, we don't like change. But these guys have navigated and, and guided you guys through change well. So I really want to honor and tip my hats off to you guys. So, <clears throat> yeah, give them a hand. <clears throat> and if you're on the podcast, Michael and Angelica, we love you. I don't know if this is going there, but... So why don't we uh, bow our heads in prayer? God, we thank you that you are present. We thank you that you are alive, that you breathe and inject new life into this community Father, thank you, God, that we have this place where we can worship you freely. Thank you, God, that there are people that have come from close and afar, from different walks of life, from different circumstances, from different family backgrounds, from different ethnicities, God, to know you and make you known. God, we thank you for all the people that are represented in this community at Jubilee. We pray, Lord, that you would speak to us. We pray, Lord, that you would examine our hearts. We pray that, Lord, we're not studying you. You are studying us and exegeting our hearts so that we can know who you are and that you would heal our hearts, you would save us from ourselves, and that you would help us to be whole, holistic transformation. We thank you for your gospel. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I just wanted to introduce you to my family, the Lee Dynasty. Uh, I'm born and raised uh, Korean-Canadian, lived in Toronto all my life. So... uh, this is my family. This is my wife, <clears throat> Vivian. And, uh, you know, I was on the plane, and I, I started missing my kids already, right? So Kristen is eight. Uh, she's our worship uh, dance artist, uh, <clears throat> really anointed. And Ethan is our jock. He's a six-year-old, laser beam focused, you know, get the job done, Beyblade, battle warrior, <clears throat> Pokemon, defeating, uh, world-dominating kind of a guy. And Lauren is three. She's like, I don't know where she came from. She's like, I'm really good at jiu-jitsu. She's like, you know, super strong and fast. And, you know, even when she was a baby and we were like nursing her or like holding her, she'd like flip around and slap you in the head. And you're like, what the heck just happened? Like two or three times already, right? She just has really fast muscle reflexes. So we're not sure where God's going to use her. Maybe in the, <clears throat> maybe in the UFC to take over for uh, uh, Ronda Rousey. <clears throat> um, UFC fans? No. 
So I do actually take Brazilian jiu-jitsu so, and Muay Thai kickboxing so, uh, just to be able to protect myself <laughs> from any unwarranted. And uh, anyways, that's another story. So uh, today uh, we'll be talking about um, how to love God and how to love our neighbors as ourselves. And let's just admit that the church has done a really poor job in representing who Christ is. And uh, from the stories that I've been hearing, you know, with the Jubilee community, it's been fascinating to hear uh, from a lot of you who were there on the Friday night uh, how hurt this city is from the past with uh, the church and, and, and the wrongdoings that they have done, we have done. And it's important for us to uh, take ownership and have some sort of identi- um, identif- what is it called? Uh, where we repent on behalf of the church, identificational repentance. And so, <clears throat> you know, for those of you who are here present this morning that have been hurt by the church, I just want to apologize. And that is not um, the church that Christ has built, and that's not the people that God has sent, and that is not a good representation. So on behalf of um, uh, the church uh, of the Christian Bible, you know, wanted to apologize to you and your family and your ancestors for uh, the hurt and the pain that we have caused you, and to say that God is good, God is faithful, he is just, he is merciful, and he does want to save um, and redeem and transform each and every one of you in your marriages, in your singleness, in your studies, uh, in your families, uh, in your um, golden years. So in every area, every sphere. So the question uh, that kind of poses us this morning is, why is it so hard to love people? That's okay. Why is it so hard to love people? <clears throat> and I want to help answer that question by giving you some uh, stories and using the art of narrative to share with you guys how not to love your neighbors, how, how to love them, and, and to just really impart the Father's heart and his mission uh, with you. And I just want to let you guys know that um, getting the, uh, downloading and receiving the Father's heart and his mission has everything to do with his presence. So God's presence has everything to do with unleashing um, God's love and his power in this city. Today we're going to explore what it means uh, to follow Christ. We're going to explore what it means to follow Jesus. And if you are a person that does not uh, follow Jesus or doesn't know Jesus, you're, you're going to be, I'm going to be addressing both uh, people who don't follow Jesus and people who do. So um, there'll be parts of the story where you're off the hook. And for those of you who are Christians, I'm going to you know, kind of call you to some sort of action and then for those of you who are not followers of Christ, I'm going to also challenge you in, in terms of your thought, in terms of your heart. Um, <clears throat> but my goal is that at the end of this uh, message that you'll be one step closer in loving your neighbor and loving God uh, as you love yourself. I, I travel and I talk to a lot of different um, campus groups, denominations, uh, churches, church plants, organizations. And I ask the question, why is it so hard to share our faith? Why is it so hard to share the good news? And I get the excuses like, you know, it's because it's Pastor Michael and Angelica's job, isn't it? Right? It's the pastor's job. They get paid to do this. We give our tithes and offerings for those of us who do to them so that they can do the work of God, surely. Or it must be Elena, or it must be the missional community leaders, or it must be the children's uh, leaders or the, the, the people who are serving, maybe over there like Zena. <clears throat> it's her job. Right? And we look to others and we exempt ourselves because different reasons. And we can legitimize them. We can defend ourselves and say, you know what? I don't know how to. 
or I'm not equipped, or I'm not trained, or I'm just not wired that way. For those of us who are introverts, we leave it to the extroverts, right? Right? But no, God uses all of us. The extroverts, the introverts, I think you guys had a discussion on that recently. I was an introvert. I got transformed and saved and became an extrovert, not by choice. So that's kind of a weird thing. Um, But that God uses all of us. I wonder, you know, as we talk about loving our neighbors, how many of you uh, would say that you guys even love yourselves, right? Some of us are our harshest critics. Some of us don't love ourselves enough, and that's another sermon, right? We can talk about that later or do some healing or something like that. Um, And some of us just love ourselves a lot, right? And so, you know, we look in the mirror and we, we spend time, with, you know, on makeup and clothes. And, uh, you know, do we, are we wearing the right, you know, clothes? Are we, do we have the right hair? And I know we have some fashion designers in here. So uh, this, is, this is important. Uh, but to the point where it becomes an idol, where it becomes like even more than our passion for God, that we spend too much. And then for the guys that look in the mirror and say, hey, good looking, what's cooking? And it's like... It's like, uh, the next slide. <laughs> the people that are laughing are the ones that, that, you know, spend that time, right? And it's like, yeah, man. You know, it's like, you look good today. And there's a part of that that's awesome. And there's a part of that that's like, you know what? There is, there is a part of this that God has wired inside of us that we need to share this with others. This energy, this time, this money. Uh, there's a story where um, I was living in, I guess it was a predominantly Italian neighborhood. And I didn't know this about Italian people, but they're pretty meticulous with their lawns and with other things like cooking and stuff like that. So I thought, <clears throat> you know, I moved into the, into the area and I thought, gosh, you know, how can I love my neighbor? And so I thought, you know, what I can do is I could probably cut my um, or mow my uh, Italian neighbor's lawn. And that'll be really awesome. And so... You can, uh, you can imagine, so I cut his lawn, and then I, he comes back home from work, and I, I didn't even say anything. I just wanted to wait for him to say something to me, because like, oh, you know, job well done, you know, thank you so much. He goes, yo. I'm like, hey, how's it going? I'm your new neighbor. He goes, you cut my lawn? I'm like, yeah. He goes, don't do that again. Right? I was like, okay. I think they have a certain way they'd like to do their lawn and to keep it meticulous. So <clears throat> that was like, okay, that's a... Uh, there's still, a, there's still hope. There may be an open door there. But, you know, the, the important thing is that lost people matter to God. And, you know, all over the place... You want me to do that? <laughs> you know, I'll do it. Yeah. It's probably easier. Okay. Oh, boy, there we go. Okay. Is it just the, the right button? Yeah. Okay. Lost people matter to God. And, and God is in the business of saving people from themselves and from hopelessness and from all sorts of circumstances in life. And I wonder how many of us in life have friends, or maybe some of you here even this morning, uh, who don't um, profess Christ as your Lord or who may not have yet decided to follow Jesus, and that's okay. We still love you. Uh, For those of you who have professed Christ, um, what are the reasons why we haven't? Uh, And we look at this cartoon cartoon, uh, drawing, and uh, it's like, it's kind of funny because it says, Bob, I never knew you were a Christian. And he's getting, you know, taken to uh, Hades, uh, into the eternal fiery lake, where he's going to suffer and torment for the rest of his life. And, uh, you know, his friends like looking at him and kind of like, 
It's almost like the God, his friend is like, I thought you were my friend. I thought, I thought, and then the other guy's like, well, I didn't want to hurt your feelings, or I didn't want to offend you. I didn't want you to reject my friendship. And then when we look at this um, cartoon that's kind of comical, the sobering reality is this, that um, as Christians, we believe that there are places that we go, and there's an eternal chasm. So before we go to uh, how uh, and what we do to share the gospel, it's important to know why. Because the driver or the motivation uh, helps the purpose and the reason. So why do we love others? Well, it's not just because, you know, as a Christian, for those of you who are Christians, non-Christians or people who aren't followers of Christ, you're off the hook right now, just to let you know. Uh, it's not because uh, we're trying to put a notch on our belt or we're proud of ourselves of saying, you know, we got another one, you know. Uh, or, you know, we went outside uh, uh, serving at Concordia University and we took a selfie and one of the girls that we were um, trying to share the love of God with was like, hey, we just got evangelized, right? Like, it, it's, it, it's not even like a project or, or, or something that we're trying to do. It's, it's who we're trying to be in Christ and trying to love others. And in 1 John four nineteen, it says we love because what? He first loved us. So... Us in ourselves don't have the capacity to love the way that God the Father wants us to love. But when we receive the Father's heart, and we download that heart, and he fills us up, it allows us to spill out that love into uh, relationships with others. You know, we had a... Elena mentioned that I helped start the church in downtown Toronto a number of years ago. And someone had uh, Googled uh, Toronto Church Downtown. And uh, he, ooh, sorry. He ended up coming to our church with his brother. So this guy's name was Dave. His younger brother's name was uh, uh, Tony. And I didn't realize this, but they were like, looking for some answers. They weren't believers. And uh, Tony had stage four stomach cancer. And so they were looking for... Uh, a higher energy, a higher power, some sort of miracle or healing. Dave, his older brother, uh, is an urban professional downtown and brought his brother to our church, Evernation GTA, and was looking for answers. And so very quickly, we started building relationships with each other, and I started visiting Tony, his younger brother, at uh, St. Michael's Hospital, where he was uh, receiving chemotherapy. I went to his home. Uh, he went from 180 to, uh, I think it was 90 pounds. He became like a skeleton and just loved on him. Uh, no project, no, you know, I'm better than you. It's just, man, I could be in that situation. I mean, who knows? You know, you're just another brother, right? And I just want to love on you and just to serve you. And so uh, I would visit him and I would, you know, he just had, uh, he was a strong, adventurous, hiking, you know, martial arts kind of a guy. Uh, he had a wife with uh, um, two kids. He had a newborn and a, a, an older daughter. So he's, he's an average person, just like you and me. Healthy, you know, life is just starting for him, a young family. And I just want you to know that th- this is a real story with a real name and a real person and a real family. And uh, as he was going through the chemotherapy, there was actually one point in time where we were praying for him. I was visiting him in the hospital. I become, became kind of like the hospital chaplain for him. Uh, and uh, it's interesting because there was a lot of people in the hospital room and then I wasn't sure if I can get in and they're like, the pastor's here and they're like, it's like the parting of the Red Sea, right? And I got right to the front 
And there was a time where he was like uh, in a coma, and I laid hands on, on him, and he went up like this. And he's like, oh, and I was like, holy smoke. <laughs> I was like, he almost scared me. A good thing I didn't swear. And uh, the, there was actually a point in time as, as well, further on, when he was going through this uh, uh, chemotherapy and cancer, where he actually had a cardiac arrest and was uh, clinically, clinically dead. And then they did um, uh, you know, the shocks, and they actually resuscitated and brought him back to life. And so he defeated death, and then he, he, uh, he lived on. And um, there was a time that uh, he was at his, um, in, in St. Michael's Hospital in his, in his uh, bed, where he was hooked up to the chemotherapy uh, unit. And uh, I went up to him, and I just shared with him. I said, hey, Tony, I wanted to share this really good news with you, and it's called the Gospel of Christ. And I actually uh, felt like God was t- uh, asking me to be the church for him. You know how sometimes, you know, church is like this building and it's like this, you know, you know, the worship and the preaching and like kind of what we're doing here, right? And, but the, the church is the people of God sent on a mission, right? When we worship, we go out and, and, and reach and love on people. So and because he was not even physically able to come into the, you know, the place where we were worshiping because he was so sick, he... Um, I actually went to him in the hospital and brought him, you know, the portable communion thing where it's like the, the wafer or the bread and the wine. And I appealed this and I shared the gospel with him. And he received Christ on that chemotherapy bed. And I, I broke bread with him and um, uh, the wine. And his brother was like weeping, saying, like, you know, I'm not a Christian, I'm not a church goer, but this is the most powerful expression of the church that I have ever witnessed or de- seen demonstrated in my entire life. And so uh, as, as Tony got saved, he actually got wheelchaired into our, into our church, and he gave a testimony that just blew everyone out of the water. Like, he's like, guys, God is alive. Prayer works. Look at me. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a standing example of, the, of God's miracle. I can tell you that God is good, that Jesus did save me, and he did rescue me. And it was like you could hit a, hear a pin drop. And his testimony and the weight of his testimony was just so powerful. And unfortunately, he ended up getting worse and worse and ended up passing away. And their family asked me to do his funeral. And it was gut-wrenching. You know, he became like a brother to me. And the next day, his um, older brother, Dave, came to church. And I'm like, Dave, what are you doing at church? And he said, well, Tone, remember Dave's also not a follower of Christ yet. But Dave's like, I wanted to respect Tone's Tony's uh, wishes that I would go to church and I would, you know, know more about God. So I'm here to respect his wishes now that he's passed away. And after this, I'm, I'm done. We're gone. So he's just kind of doing his due diligence to respect his and honor his brother. So he's like, can you tell me more about the church and God? And for the next 45 minutes, I talked to him and I shared with him. And I unraveled the love of God, the Father's heart. And I said, does this make sense to you, Dave? And he said, Absolutely. He says, where do I sign up? How do I come to know this Jesus that you're talking about? Because I know that tone, it was real for him. And I realize that this can be real for me. And he made that step. He made that step to follow Christ. No longer than two weeks. <clears throat> oh, man, sorry. I keep on pressing the wrong button. Okay. <clears throat> no longer than two weeks, he says, hey, you know that thing that you did to me, that you shared the gospel thing and all that stuff, and I came to Jesus? I'm like, Yeah. He said, uh, can you do that with my friend? He's in North York General Hospital, and he's, like, uh, he's got liver failure. He's been an alcoholic. He's a high school friend of mine. 
And I'm like, sure. Um, and so I uh, visited him in the hospital. Sorry. Okay. I visited him in the hospital, <clears throat> at Northrop General Hospital. And for those of you, anyone in the medical field or some sort of yeah, health? <clears throat> so <clears throat> he was in ICU room number 14 uh, the week before. And so we went over there. I guess the, the lower the number, the more serious the, uh, the case is. So we go over to the nurses, and he's not even in 14. So we're looking next door to 13, not there, 12, not there, 11. We're like, where is this guy, right? And he ended up being in ICU room number one. That's not good news, right? And because of the liver failure from um, being an alcoholic since he was in high school, he had actually ran out of money. He betrayed his family and his friends. He actually lost all of his friends and family members. He was getting his hair cut uh, from the barber, I guess the local barber in the hospital. And, I mean, I guess because of liver failure, the, you can't see in the picture very well, but the, the skin pigmentation and the, the, his eye color, man, it's like Halloween. It's like, it was so yellow. I was just, like, taken aback. I'm like, I wasn't ready for this. Like, how come they don't prepare for these things for me in seminary, right? In cemetery. So, oh, that's a bad joke. So, just sing if you're awake. So, what happened was this. Uh, so, his friend's name is Chris. And um, I said, how's your, how's your life going? And there was a lot of cursing that I won't mention here because this is a podcast and it's going to be recorded. And so he's like, it's bleeping, bleeping. It's, you know, it's, it's, hell in a ba- it's, it's just bad. I lost everyone. I lost everything. And I'm losing my life. And then we said, um, well, we know of a way that can help you, we think. And then I said, Dave, can you share with Chris what happened to you in the last two weeks? He's like, Chris. You got to see what happened to me, man. Like, Tone, you know, he was dying from stage 4 stomach cancer, and Pastor Jay came, and he, he did this communion thing, and he led my brother to Christ, and it was such a beautiful expression of the church, and, and, and the next day I went to church, and I asked him more about who God was in the church, and then I received Christ into my life. Man, you're dying. You're going to die. You need life insurance. You need Jesus in your life. And I was like, okay, that wasn't really the way I was thinking you could share, but that's, that's okay, too. And you need Jesus in your life because you're a sinner. And there's a consequence of your sin. And you're going to go to hell. And I was like, whew. I can't, I can't deny the passion there. And interestingly enough, God can use mysterious things and people that way. And then, and then Chris is like, yeah, I do need life insurance. What do I have to lose? I'm, I'm dying right now. So we said, is that the desire of your heart? He says, absolutely. So Dave and myself in Northrop General Hospital, ICU room number one, as he's getting his hair cut, received Christ. And this is a picture of him after he received Christ into his life. His countenance, the, 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 the look in his eyes completely changed. I mean, when we met him, he was like depressed. He was discouraged. He was dark. And the sobering <clears throat> reality is, less than seven days later, he died. And sometimes we don't understand that people are literally dying without Jesus. When he asked me, Dave, just, you know, can you go visit my friend the Northrop Hospital? And I, this is like the cynicism of a pastor, and I, I do repent right now before you. But I was like, this is not going to help me in any way. There's no benefit. He's not going to come to my church. He's not going to help you know, bring offerings. He's not going to serve. He, he has no connection in terms of strategic alignment and you know, being a part of my you know, parish, et cetera, et cetera. But I thought... And it was a wonderful interruption because I'm praying for God to use me to reach people, to use the gospel to transform so that people will worship and give him glory. 
And as he was asking me, I'm like, I'm not sure about that. Is that really you, God? So to this day, this has been two years now, I meet with Dave every single week to disciple him, to help him grow in his marriage, in his walk with God. We eat together every week since that time. In scriptures, in Mark chapter 12, 30 to 31, this is our passage for today. Mark is the shortest gospel, but it's the most action-packed, right? It's this exciting uh, uh, book that records more miracles than any other gospel. It's written in chronological order. It's written by John Mark, who was actually not one of the 12 disciples, but he accompanied uh, the Apostle Paul on his first uh, missionary trip. This was a, a book that was written to the, um, the Christians in Rome, and this is a time where Tiberius Caesar was ruling uh, this, emperor, this emperor at that time, which took place around A.D. 55 to A.D. 65. And you can imagine that, you know, Jesus is present in this time, in this age, with this Roman Empire, and, and, and he's got all the power, he's got all the authority, you know, on will, on a whim, with just even a voice to call forth things into action, yet he comes into this earth in a humble manner as a servant, and even, even comes and humbles himself even more than a servant and comes in the form of a flesh as a babe in a manger. Scholars would even say that um, he was born in a cave. Scholars would even say or argue that it was like a horse's trough. Think of yourself if you were a king or a queen or, or a prince or a princess born in a royal family and you have all the access, authority, power, wealth. Your parents have all everything. And when you have the highest power, being born in a stable or a place where animals feed, with this, you can just imagine the smells. You can imagine the sounds. You can imagine there was no room in the inn. Like, it's not, it's not fit for a king, is it? So the, so the, the setting and the sounds and the, and the smells, it, it's, it's kind of like a, a juxtaposition of, of, of the... the the humility of Christ. And I love that, you know, he comes in this form uh, against even the world, even in modern day times, that he shows himself as a servant. You know, uh, and this is a great example of how we can learn a lot from the life of Jesus. This is a great example of how, how we can live today. How Jesus served even God, how he served others, an example of how we should live. And, and many people, and I, not just even that time, but even I would argue even in this day and time, would probably not recognize the Messiah. We would not recognize him. And, and we need to be careful not to reject uh, or dismiss him just because he doesn't fit our image of who God should be. Right? For those of you who are not followers of Christ, I'm going to address, remember I said both of you guys? May I suggest that the person or the thing that you are following where you're looking for that source of love, forgiveness, all those things, fulfillment, May I suggest that you trust or may you follow that source that is the most powerful, the most reliable, the most forgiving, the most merciful, the most powerful. Blaise Pascal says in, in one of his quotes that he's a French mathematician, physicist, inventor. In the heart of every man or woman exists a God-shaped vacuum. And, and, and it's this void that we try to fill with stuff, you know, Love, relationships, if I just find the right job, if I just marry the right person, if I just fill myself with sex and drugs and alcohol just to numb the pain, to, to escape reality, if I just, just, I just want happiness, 
And we try to fill that. And it, it gets bigger, that vacuum, bigger and bigger and bigger. And we try to throw stuff in there. And there's consequences to that. But Blaise Pascal says, in the heart of every man or woman exists a God-shaped vacuum that can uh, never be satisfied by anyone or anything except by God the Creator through His Son, Jesus Christ. John Piper talks about worship and mission. Uh, the the um, <clears throat> mission exists because worship doesn't. And so when we worship here in this setting, in this, in, you know, as a people of God, which is that vertical relationship of loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, that's what Mark 12, uh, 30 and 31 says, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, Every fiber, every ounce of your being. When you love him with everything of who you are, <clears throat> what happens is that horizontal relationship to love the church and to love others who don't know Jesus, it becomes a lot easier. <clears throat> and that spills into uh, the Great Commission. So the Great Commandment, or the greatest commandment, is the motive, the driver, which is love, and the, the mission is propelled by love. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you to the very end of the age. I love, you know, when there's red letters. It's like Jesus is talking to me. I know I don't, I don't hear him audibly, at least not yet. Lord, that's a prayer. But um, I love when he says, <clears throat> you know, throughout all this stuff, because there's all the fear of man and rejection when I try to share the love of Christ, or when I try to go out into the, you know, my friends and family, or even into the malls, or wherever, whatever setting, there's such, so much fear of rejection, right? I don't want to do it. I get butterflies. I'm nervous, even though I'm supposedly this reluctant evangelist, or whatever you call me. Like, it, I'm scared every single time. But I step out in faith, and I say, God, and it says, surely I am with you always to the very end. That's so comforting. You know, you know, I can just show up, and he could just use me like a puppet, right? Uh, half the battle in going to the gym is just showing up. Half the battle in sharing God's love is just showing up and being fully present, isn't it? And then God, just use me as your puppet. Use me as your voice. Use me in, with your hand, the hands and feet that you've given me to, to demonstrate and proclaim your love and your gospel. And I love that he's with me because I, I need him. I need that, that fail-safe, that, that anchor, that catch net, you know? And it's good to know that for you guys here today, he's got your back. You know, you might think he's left you. You may think he's abandoned you or forsaken you or you've been orphaned. But no, I want you to know this morning, this day, he's got your back. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you, even if you don't believe that. How do we love our neighbors? This is my saying of if we loved our neighbors half as much as we loved ourselves, because gosh knows, God knows, I love myself a lot. That's an echo for all of us, right? We can all say that. I, mean, I love, you know, the amount of time and energy, the amount of time we look in the mirror and money that we spend on ourselves. Imagine using the amount of money that you spend on your shoes or on your purse or on your laptop or on your car or whatever it is that you like, the passions in life that you have, the interests. And, and some of them are, can be pricey. Imagine if you took that and you gave it to your neighbor, And it's like so precious. It's so valuable. It means so much to you. If we loved ourselves and you took your income and how much you spend on yourself and you took half of that and gave it to your neighbor, wouldn't this world change? I have an illustration to show with you. It's the love tank illustration. Thank you, Simon, for your help on this. So... So many times, you know, as 
non, uh, people who don't follow Christ, you're off the hook again. You guys are off the hook a lot today, and that's good. There's grace on you. For those of you who are followers of Christ, there are a lot of people that don't share God's love for various reasons that we explained before. But that's got to stop. And we got to start getting on God's mission. So let this represent you. And, you know, it's, <clears throat> it's empty right now. And sometimes we try to like and love people, and, and sometimes we don't, you know, let's just admit, our relationship with God may be not, it's not just not, not perfect. Sometimes it's not great. Some of you guys have a wonderful relationship. That's great. But a lot of us who are real and struggling, you know, most of us maybe be struggling and kind of like, well, it could be better. And sometimes, you know, when you're driving your car, you want to see, at least maybe this is a guy thing, how far can you go without really, you know, losing everything, right? You know, on the empty tank, the red light goes on. You know, some manuals say it's 40 kilometers, some say it's 80. I tested mine, and it was less than what the manual said. <laughs> I, think, I think it has to do with winter and the uh, loss of uh, efficiency. So I ended up uh, coasting my car in neutral by York University and ended up, by the grace of God, going into Petro-Canada without you know, having my car stranded on the street. <clears throat> However, uh, what I didn't realize, and the gas station attendant didn't realize, was that I parked on the wrong side. <laughs> so he had to get out and push me <clears throat> around to the other side. That analogy to say that sometimes we try to love people out of the emptiness of our hearts, which means that we haven't filled ourselves with God, God's love. And we've, we've kind of gone uh, or, or, or left the door or left our homes without spending time with God. And so we go out and try to love this world and like people. And let's admit it, man, there's a lot of people that we don't like. Let's admit it. There's a lot of people that are super unlovable, right? And it's not even just hard to like people and love people. It's impossible almost. Because without God empowering us with his love, that this represents God's fathomless, infinite, unlimited love. Okay, it's magical. It just keeps coming out. And we try to love people, and we're like, God, I know you want me to love them, so I'm going to try loving them, but man, they're so obnoxious. They're so arrogant, or they're so annoying. They get under my skin, and oh, right? And then we, 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 we take Mark 12, 30 literally, and we say, God, I want to love you with all my heart. I want to love you with all my soul. I want to love you with all my strength. And God starts to fill our love tank, and it's like, it's this beautiful thing we've tasted and seen, for those of you who are followers of Christ, when you first met God at the foot of the cross, it was beautiful. You've tasted and seen that he's really good. He still is. And he's still going to be. But sometimes we just need to wait on the Lord. We just need to sit. We need to be present. We need to just stop and let God speak to us and fill us. And he starts to fill that love tank. And you know what? When it used to be really hard to love people because we weren't full, it becomes easier when you let God fill you up to the point where he overflows and he transforms your love in this supernatural way. And this overflow of love that spills over allows you to love people well, really well. And he continues to pour out his love on you. You receive his love as an empty vessel and saying, God, I am nothing without you. But with you, I can do all things through Christ. And he continues to fill you up so you can spread his love. Because out of that overflow, out of that uh, private relationship, out of that intimacy comes ministry. Out of that overflow of, of just receiving the Father heart of God, he empowers you supernaturally to like and love people that you had a really hard time to like and love. 
And not only like and love, but actually reach people and with the gospel trans, see the transformation of their lives from the inside out. Not because you can do it or, you know, it's because of your power, but it's all because of his glory and his power. And he receives all the glory through that. And so as you worship him, this is super important. You know, it's, it's not just musical worship on Sunday, but it's, it's actually in your homes as you go. It's not just a Sunday. It's Sunday and Monday and Tuesday and every single day. Worship is a lifestyle. Worship is a choice. Worship says, you know what, regardless of how I feel or what I've gone through or what people have done to me or what they have not said to me or the job promotion that my friend, oh, I'm so happy for you, you got a promotion. Oh, sucks for me. Regardless of what has happened, that you will choose to worship the living God. When you're faithful with little, he entrusts you with much. And, and, and you can just be present and fully present and say, God, I'm satisfied in you. I'm content. Just the fact that I'm living and breathing and that I'm walking or that I'm sitting or that I'm able to study or that I'm able to have a job or I'm able to not have a job. It doesn't matter. Wherever you are, be fully present in Christ. And when he fills you up and fills your love tank, he overflows so that you can love others well. Alan Hirsch and Lance Ford says, how many of you guys like to eat? We can go eat after this. And we're going to come to the table uh, after this message. Um, sharing meals together on a regular basis is one of the most sacred practices we can engage in as believers. Missional hospitality is a tremendous opportunity to extend the kingdom of God. We can literally eat our way into the kingdom of God if every Christian household regularly invited a stranger or a poor person into their home for a meal once a week, we would literally change the world by eating. You guys eat and eat well. You guys invite and invite well. You guys are already well on your way. I commend you. I commend you. One of the most intimate things that people did in ancient times in the Old Testament was eat with their neighbors or eat with others. It's an important practice. And somewhere along the lines, Christians, we, we've forgotten that. We worship with ourselves. We eat amongst ourselves. We talk Christianese. We have all this vernacular that's like, people are like, what? You eat what? And you're, you drink the blood of the lamb? And you're sanctified by who? And substitutionary atonement? Like, what is that? What are you, you guys are a cult? Or what are you guys? Let's talk English. When we eat with others, when we share with others, when we join in their activities or invite them into ours, that may not necessarily look like this space. It can be, but for some, it may be a huge hurdle. It may look like, you know, uh, babysitting for a single mom. You know, I know a mom who has four children who could use some help, right? She might live a little far and she feels bad asking, but I'll tell you, she needs help. This lady right here in the back, I'm serious. So love on her. You know, love on others in, in your neighborhood who don't know Jesus. Uh, let it become a lifestyle. Build relationship. You know, schedule it to become a rhythm. In Colossians, 2, in Colossians 4, 2, it says, uh, devote yourselves to prayer. So this is the most important thing. It's not just going out there and following some sort of track or script. It's prayer. God works. And he moves the hearts of men and women, boy and child. Being watchful and thankful and pray for us too that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Okay? Don't be weird. Don't scream, turn or burn. You know, I, I was joking with uh, the atheist scientist that we were in, uh, interviewing and getting interviewed by for a podcast. He was like, yeah, we're not trying to shove a Bible down your throat. He goes, yeah, that would hurt. Right? That doesn't work. 
right? We're, we're just trying to love on people and serve them. He really appreciated that. So be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most, not some or little or none. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace because you don't know who's watching you. Seasoning with salt. How do you get salty? You spend time with God. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Imagine this, guys. What would your neighborhood or your workplace or your school look like when you love them as you love yourselves? What would that look like? What kind of transformation would happen? What if you were to, there was an ice storm, or you know, people get stuck in the snow. We got stuck in the snow or the ice twice yesterday trying to do stuff. And what if you helped a neighbor? What if you shoveled their snow? What if you raked their leaves? What if you uh, cut their lawn? In a, in a way that's godly, <laughs> not uh, demeaning. Uh, what if you invited people for a movie night at Zuli and Simon's with their huge projector, or a dessert night, or had a meal, or, you know, what would it look like? You know, you guys are awesome. There's some bakers here. You know, you can bake and, and eat your way into heaven and, and bring people to Christ. And it's lovely. And when you eat with people, instead of just with yourselves or amongst our Christian brethren, things happen. Here's our closing story for today. I had a neighbor that lived right across the street from me. <clears throat> His name is Chris. His uh, wife's name is Lisa. And I was asking God for open doors. You know, in, in, in Colossians we read, to pray, ask for opportunity, make the most of every opportunity, be watchful, right? So every day I pray, I say, God, I get on, me, I get on my knees and I say, Lord, I said, Lord, would you provide opportunities for me to share your love today? Provide divine appointments, provide supernatural opportunities. Use me, God, in any way. I'm, I'm fully available. I'm fully present. And then I, I pray. And then I get interrupted all the time. I don't necessarily go to people. People come to me. I'm like, gosh, why is there another interruption? I'm like, I just prayed that, right? Like, and I'm wondering why God's interrupting with all these people. So <clears throat> my neighbors were just moved in. And so I felt like God was saying, to me, walk across the street. Walk across the street. And just extend your hand and just say, hi, my name is Jay. What's your name? Zuli, nice to meet you. You're new here? And so we just started a conversation. We just started a conversation. And, and interesting enough, through that you know, simple extension, extension of just saying, hey, my name is Jay. He said, my name is Chris, and this is Lisa. We actually um, just came from a church. This is how the conversation started. I just met them. Total strangers. We just came from a church from some United Church. And uh, she said, she just started to weep. I'm like, okay, why did you weep? Was it a moving sermon? And she said, no, it's because I felt like the church is dead. And I was asking God uh, for a sign or, or, or somewhere where I could find life. And so I left that church completely discouraged and depressed. And I was asking God for a sign. And I heard God say to me, just go across the street and say hello. So God was answering both of our prayers. So Lisa is a believer. Her husband is not. So I ended up uh, inviting Chris to join me for meetup.com. You guys know that? Yes, I know you know that. Arts, Arts Night and Language Cafe. Keep doing that. Invite others into that. So I invited my friend to a meetup.com event. It was a Monday night, 6 to 9, soccer, outdoor soccer. Anyone like sports here? You can reach, you can reach people for Christ with sports. It's very powerful. Talk about that. That's another leadership meeting. <clears throat> so I uh, started doing that every single week. And then uh, the season was uh, quickly getting colder and winter approached. And so we started going to volleyball every week. Another meetup.com. And so he 
uh, Facebook messaged me saying, hey, actually, because they were struggling financially and they were looking for work, and that was, that was a challenge. So he Facebook messaged me saying something to the degree of, um, actually, we're actually moving this Friday uh, out to Fort McMurray on the oil rigs because I couldn't find work here. That's, that's pretty far away. So it's going to be, I'm not going to see him anymore. And I've never shared the gospel with him for the last, you know, six to eight months that I've known him. And I thought, gosh, this is going to be the last time I'm going to see him probably. So I, I, I thought, this is, this is an opportunity. Make the most of every opportunity, right? So I kind of like sheepishly said, you know, hey, would you be willing to meet Thursday night? This is our last volleyball night that I would have with him. But I thought, you know, if I were me and someone asked me to go to volleyball and, you know, even ask them for a bite to eat afterwards, I'd be like, gosh, I'm too busy. I'm too stressed. I got too much stuff on my mind with this move. And so I just went out for broke and I said, hey, would you be open to going to volleyball and going out for some nachos after? And he said, absolutely. So we go to this 24-7 place. It's like 10, 30, 11. And, um, you know, it's like, oh, such an awesome volleyball game. And he's like, yeah, I just spanked that ball. It was awesome. And da, da, da. And there's all this, you know, wonderful talk. And we're having nachos and iced tea. And, uh, and then uh, we're talking, talking. And then I'm like, you know when you feel like you, you want to say something, but you can't say it? And you feel like you're going to lose your friendship. And you're just like, ah, oh, it's just like I was stalling. I was procrastinating. I was like, gosh, like, I just don't want to do this, God. I just don't want to share, the, you know, your good news with this guy. And then I felt like, gosh, I don't, I don't, I just got to go for it. You know, like when you're going to ask a girl or a guy out and you just like, you just feel like, man, just, just say it. Oh my gosh, just, why can't, would you go out with me? <laughs> and you realize you're looking in front of a mirror, right? <laughs> <clears throat> and so I said to him, gosh, Chris, I have some really bad news for you. He's like, what are you talking about? I was like, I have not been a good friend for you. He goes, what are you talking about? I was like, well, Good friends don't hold back good news. Isn't that true? He goes, yeah. Why would you be holding good news back from me? I said, well, it's complicated. But I just didn't want to, you know, affect our friendship. And, I, you know, it's been pretty cool. And I just wanted to get weird. He goes, well, you better share that good news with me. I'm like, well, I don't know. And he goes, no, no, please. If you're a friend, you would share. That's a loving thing to do. Right? He was counseling me, right? And I was like, okay, you asked for it. I'm going to share this with you. So I got a piece of paper. It was actually a napkin from the restaurant. And I shared what's called the bridge to life. And I said, this is, this is you. This is God. And sin causes death. And the penalty is, you know, an eternal chasm. Uh, and where are, you on this, um, where, are you, where are you on this picture? And he said, he's on the cliff, peering over the edge, looking for answers. And I said, well, Jesus did this. And he's like, you're telling me, you're, no, no, just, okay, just, you're telling me that Jesus died for my sins? When I'm a sinner and no one else could pay the price for me, but Jesus took that place on that cross for me so that I would live and have eternal life and have life filled with purpose right now. I'm like, preach, brother. Like, he really started to understand that. And I'm like, and when he resurrected and he was seated with God, that he provided this way for me and, and, and that I could have it. And I'm like, that's right, too. So he's like, where do I get it? How do I sign up? And I'm like, oh, I don't know. I was like, I don't know where you can get them either. I was like totally pulling his leg, right? I was just having fun with it. He goes, do I go to Walmart and buy them off the shelf? Do I, like, do I, do I sign up in Amazon.com? Like, I was like, no, I'm just pulling your leg. And he goes, you jerk. And I said, like, yeah, I know. This is the kind of friendship we had. So I said, you know, it's, it's, it's actually quite simple. We can ask Jesus to come into your heart and change you from the inside out. And I can help walk you through that. So right there on that spot, at like 12 midnight, the bell strikes, and this guy, Chris, my neighbor, his eternal destiny is completely and forever changed. 
completely. We're in the car ride back home because we carpooled. And he's like a little kid in Toys R Us or in a candy shop. He's like, everything's different. Oh, man. Like, just everything is changing inside. Like, my perspective is changing. When I look out the window, it's different. My heart is different. There's some, like, warm stuff going on in my thing. And, like, it was so funny because he didn't have expressions or vernacular to, to explain, you know, what we believe to be, you know, being you know, filled with God's love, and he's just eyes as wide as plates, right? And I'm just like, wow, that's pretty cool, dude, right? And he's just like, ah, it's like, he's on a roller coaster. He's just like, this is so cool, dude, right? And then uh, we say goodnight, and the next morning, he's got the moving truck, and it's like, his eyes are bloodshot, right? I'm like, Chris, are you okay? He goes, I couldn't sleep all night. <laughs> it's like, this news that you share with me, Man, thank you so much, man. You're, a, you're such a good friend. This is the best thing that's ever happened in my, in my life. And I told my wife, and she was crying. And I just like, thank you so much, man. I don't care about not sleeping. Did you know that on average, any Fitbit people here or people that count steps, on the average, people walk five to 10,000 steps a day. In the average lifetime, it's 115,000 miles or 185,000 kilometers, for those of you who are Canadian. And that's four times around the planet. And that in the, the, the regular average size of a room, which is about 20 feet, which equals 10 steps, that if we were to walk those 10 steps and just extend our hands and say, hey, I'm Jay, what's your name? Rob, nice to meet you. Extend our hands and say, hey, I'm Jay, what's your name? Hey, Steph, nice to meet you. And truly love people. Imagine... If 10 steps could change all of eternity, imagine, 10 steps, try it. You'll see how God can use you to change a life eternally for someone. Do you know that nothing you do in this life will ever matter unless it is about loving God and loving the people he has made? What's one thing that you can do this week, this week, not next year, not when I'm ready, not when I graduate from seminary, even though I don't plan on going there, unless you're called. What's the one thing that you're going to do to engage with your neighbors? What's the one thing that you're going to do to engage with your coworkers? What's the one thing that you're going to do to, to interact with your uh, colleagues at school? I'm not talking about a weird way. I'm not talking about being socially awkward. I'm not talking about being a Bible thumper, but demonstrating and proclaiming God's love. Make room for the Holy Spirit and ask him what's next. It may not be entering into this place. It may be for others. Pray and ask how you can love your neighbors as yourself. Timothy Keller says this, The gospel is this, that we are more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we ever dare believe, yet at the very same time, we are more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than we ever dared hope. Isn't that beautiful? Thank you for listening to the Jubilee Montreal podcast. For more information on Jubilee Montreal, visit us online at www.jvlmontreal.org.